Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast edition of Sunset Moms for October 17th, 2019. This week we've got something a little different from our normal format. We were going to hear from Lindsay Smith this week, but she got ill. Um, But we will be hearing from her again in the new year. So instead, you're going to hear first, Ada's going to do a reading from Margaret Feinberg's devotional book um, titled Flourish. And we'll link that in the show notes so you can find it. And then um, you're going to hear from, well, me. And we did a reading of my poem that's titled Dry Leaves. So I hope you enjoy it, and I hope it speaks to your heart. And without further ado, Miss Ada. Oh, I do need this. I am going to read the introduction off of this book called Flourish. It's... The title is Your Invitation to Flourish. I could not have penned a more terrifying personal tale than my previous year. My battle with a life-threatening illness at times stole my will to live. A glut of surgeries altered my body forever. Drugs I can't pronounce fogged my mind and clouded cohesive thought, a serious problem for a writer. My body ravaged, my spirit lifeless, my friendships atrophied, my connection with God felt frayed. The Margaret I once knew had slipped away. Can you empathize? Like me, do you ache for a previous version of life? Perhaps you've been navigating a cavern of deep grief, loss, or loneliness. Years of caring for an ailing parent stripped margin from your life, or raising and releasing your children has prompted questions of purpose and meaning. Pockets of time spent in scripture or prayer or pews, once sources of happy wonderment, now feel like a chore. These moments make us feel like the parched soul described by the ancient prophet Jeremiah. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Jeremiah 17, 5-6. Are you depressed yet? You shouldn't be. Jeremiah refuses to end with this elegy because he knows desolation is not our destination. Instead, the prophet lifts our downcast eyes with hopes of revitalization. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. All who heard Jeremiah's words would have snapped to attention. Ancient Israel sweltered in its arid landscape. An emerald leafed tree served as a remarkable symbol of life and vitality. The striking image drills deep, but then the prophet adds a detail that's almost absurd. This truth never fails to bear fruit. The metaphor is a modern equivalent of a slot machine that always strikes the jackpot. A lottery ticket dispenser that produces the winning numbers every time. A bank account with unlimited funds. Eyes opened, mouth gaped, waves of whispers ripple through the crowd. Trees in the Bible often serve as metaphors referring to people, not plants. By stacking these two images side by side, Jeremiah gives voice to one of life's most weighty decisions. Will we resign ourselves to live like a desert tumbleweed or become a lush and lavish tree? Will we live parched or be planted by our revolute? Will we wither away or bear clusters of tangy fruit? Jeremiah presents a choice, but really there is no choice. I'll be the second tree, thank you very much. The life Jeremiah describes can be summed up in a single word from the Bible, flourish. The word flourish pops like corn in the Bible, appearing most often among the poets and the prophets. This agricultural term, yapria, to blossom, or parak, to bud, 
emerges alongside images of trees, grass, vegetation. Sacred excavation reveals layers of meaning within these metaphors. From the opening biblical command to be fruitful, Genesis 1.28, we find God commanding behavior that enables creation and humanity to flourish. The text portrays a partnership that leads to both personal and communal flourishing. <coughs> Proverbs 14.11 says, the tent of the upright will flourish, which teaches that a life that flourishes nurtures the community around us. God can make the dry tree flourish, Ezekiel 17.24, illustrating that adversity cannot steal God's ability to make us flourish. Throughout the Psalms, the flourishing of the righteous sings in harmony with peace, a deep sense of shalom. Other passages, such as Psalm 1, show that the virtuous, flourishing life springs from community. This is why I recommend reading this devotional alongside friends. What does it mean to flourish? We flourish when we pursue the life God intends. When our busy schedules keep us from stopping to love on a hurting friend, we falter. But when we slow to open our arms to embrace the wounded, we flourish. When we snap back at the difficult coworker, we flop. But if we return the insensitivities with kindness, we flourish. When our parents' inadequacies make us resentful, we flail. But when we learn to love and honor them despite their imperfections, we flourish. From Adam and Eve to Abraham and Sarah to Zechariah and Elizabeth, from Genesis to Revelation, flourishing lives serve as a sign and symbols of the kingdom of God. God's grace and favor make flourishing possible. Through the Holy Spirit, Christ empowers us to live loved, fearless, and free. If that isn't enough to make you salivate, here's some whipped cream and a plump, juicy cherry. Our flourishing gives God great satisfaction and joy. After feeling wilted inside, I committed to unearth what the Bible reviewed, uh, revealed about a flourishing life. New passages budded with tender blossoms. Old one burst forth from the winter dormancy and sprang fresh insights. A handful of traits the flourishing life emerged. Planted in love, rooted in trust, grounded in wisdom, nourished by community, springing with courage, growing in grace, prepared for drought, protected from floods, budding with hope, blossoming in freedom, ripening with resilience, bursting with life, cultivated by Christ. Along the way, I harvested a bouquet of surprising scriptural beauties and stories of flourishing I couldn't keep to myself. I hand them to you as a gift and hope we will learn to flourish together. The lush life awaits. We can learn to hear God's voice echoing in the everyday. We can learn to scout for God in the nooks of life. We can learn to live in awe of God's wonders. We can learn to burst forth with joy that cannot be contained. We can begin flourishing today. My hope and prayer is that we will learn to thrive alongside our loved ones and sip the sweet nectar of life-giving bonds to push our roots into the depths of not only the richest, but also the rockiest soils, to tap into the underground river of living water. Blessings, Margaret. And the book is Flourished by Margaret Feinberg. You did good. Oh, thanks. We're still recording. Okay. We record now. No, that's too high. I'm not that tall. Okay. Um, hi. Okay, so for those of you who go to Sunset, um, I, this is the piece that I did a couple weeks ago. So, uh, you know, but luckily a lot of you don't go here, so it works out for me. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so this is a piece that's called Dry Leaves, um, and we were 
talking about specifically Noah and the flood. Um, and so this centers around promises um, and broken promises and true promises. Hey, um, Buddy, you cute <laughs> baby. Um, okay, <laughs> squirrel. Um, and uh, yeah, it's the first first new poem I've written since Moses was born 16 months ago. So here we go. Dry leaves. In the beginning, you were full of promise. But it was only that not enough time had passed and you had not yet learned the art of the excuse. I waited here, under the tree that you planted, but your promises are floating to the ground like autumn leaves. All the bigness and green of spring and summer leached away. You know, you say, I've seen your mound of broken promises in the backyard. Well, who gave you permission to go digging around? There's a reason they're locked up back there. Back there, I don't have to see them because how could I even begin to glue the leaves back on that tree? There we sit, me counting leaves as they fall and you sizing your pile up against mine, going nowhere. Humans trading green promises that turn brown before we can cash them in. Another leaf falls. Frail with no water to feed it. And another leaf falls, dry and translucent, like a sun-bleached poster for a poetry reading nobody heard. Are your promises like that, Lord? Made in the ancient days, copied and translated, printed and reprinted, fading on onion skin paper so thin it's hard to see, let alone keep them or follow through? Jesus, do you remember where you left me? I put my hand down on the frigid autumn sidewalk and damp leaves that stick to my hands. Are these your promises? Soaking up the water that they had craved in the days before they fluttered down. This wet stack of leaves aren't your promises, though, are they? They look more like they have my handwriting on them. Yours have always been different. I remember the heartbeat that stopped in Jesus' chest. I remember the heartbeat that began again. The hundreds of promises, the hundreds of years you worked behind the scenes to put yourself up on that cross and rehydrate the hope that we thought was parched and lifeless. Lord, you know, you know how I feel sitting here waiting on the sidewalk alone. The ground is cold and hard and made of concrete. But you know, your stone seat came with a rock blocking the exit, blocking the light, blocking your father's voice, and still you never forgot. You never forgot Noah on that stinking, cacophonous, holy boat. You never forgot Joseph or Paul stashed away in prison cells. You never forgot Daniel in the living room of hungry lions. You never forget the ones in the fire. They waited 
and all the while you remembered them like a precious treasure hidden away. We waited. We thought we had been left behind, but we had never slipped your mind, not for a minute or a single second. Your promises were never drying and fading. Your promises are crafted from holy covenants. Your promises are etched into the fiber of our being. Your promises were never the leaves to begin with. They are the water washing away the temporary travesties. Your promises a sea I can set sail on. They heal my terrified soul and weary bones. They rehydrate my brittle and bitter heart. My hope had no business being set on the promises of my brother or in my own power to keep all those leaves together. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Because you never once dropped the ball or forgot where you parked the car. So through him, I will say my amen to the glory of God. So we're going to have a few minutes. Um, you've got, I think, just some questions on the tables just to talk about promises and such. Um, and then I was thinking on the drive here, maybe consider how uh, promises that people have broken to you or broken promises, promises you've broken or um, how that keeps you from flourishing in the context of our, our year um, and wanting to flourish. So what are the things that kind of hold you back? Amazing. I'm so glad I got to hear it. <laughs> oh, I should turn this off. Hello, microphone. 